Hey, Daniel. Hello. Good morning. Good to hear your wonderful voice uh, bright and early on a Saturday. <clears throat> As I cough through my wicked, sinister grin and grimace. But yeah, Stephen got me up early on a Saturday morning. What time is it where you're at? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's bright and early at 950 right now. <laughs> yeah. T 10 AM. So that means it's nine o'clock for me on a Saturday. That's rough. That's rough. I have a, a firm belief that Saturdays are, are for me. And so I don't have to get up early, but some <laughs> things and some people are worth that sacrifice. <laughs> and as I, as I try to make myself sound better than I am. Um, which is going pathetically at this point. At this point, I mean, it, it sounds like you got up at four a.m. with the way you're introducing this. Well, I, that's what it is. This is four a.m. for me. This is. <laughs> it's all relative, right? Yes. Uh, so uh, I I asked Stephen to do a podcast because he gave a sermon last. Was it just 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 Sunday? And I said, Hey, we got to you hit on a nerve or you hit something that I've asked myself these same questions and I haven't been able to, I've never been happy with my understanding. Like I knew I didn't like this and I knew it was wrong to me, but I couldn't find the scriptures to make a good argument or, or not all at once. Like I never sat down to do this, but when I'm going along throughout my studies i'd say oh yeah that's why this doesn't and then i don't make a note of it you know so I, what i appreciate about what you've done is you put it all into one good cohesive argument or logical test and i wanted to contact you and say hey let's put this down let's record this and let's get this to a wider audience because as much as i wish i lived in michigan and attended your local and was part of that uh that church group there I don't. I live out here in Missouri, so let's try to spread this uh, message. Okay. Yeah. No. And uh, the message that Daniel's talking about, um, you know, last Sunday uh, I gave a sermon. It's. Uh, I mean, what I titled it was "Tolerance or Acceptance Does Not Equal Love," and I, I know, especially this month, uh, you know, being for the world uh, a celebration of um, of what they would call what, what's called pride month you know there, there there's a lot of a lot of celebration or looking at um and celebrating homosexual couples and uh in the lgbtq community you know it's, it's something that we need to talk about because uh it's it's very prevalent and uh especially be having children and uh inside the, the world and in needing to to explain to them and and educate them on uh on what what we believe as parents and members of the church of Christ. And, uh, it is, it's, it, it's, it's one of those, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting topic to navigate because, uh, I had something similar, Daniel, when this came up, I had a, uh, and I had a situation within, you know, my, in my family where, um, this topic came up inside. We have a, and I mentioned this in the sermon, but we have, you know, this group text message chat. And, uh, I don't know, well, and like my aunts and uncles and everybody from my dad's side of the family is on there. And, uh, you know, usually we're, you know, we talk like every day and it's my, my, my two aunts and my dad and all my cousins and, uh, my sister and every, uh, there's a good, I think there's like 14 people on the chat, but, um, it's, 
this topic came up and I thought it was, it was really interesting. And I don't know if my, my aunt brought it up and cause she's a school teacher and she's concerned about her kids. And I was trying to think about my response. And I, I think I framed it kind of like what, um, you know, what we're going to go through here. And it took me a while to think about it because I didn't really know exactly how, I, cause it's important how we respond, right? We want to respond with, with love. Right. Cause that's what we want, right? What's our, what's our <clears> goal? Our goal should be that we, as Christians, you know, make it to heaven, and our goal should be to help others. You know, it's, it's God's God's desire that we all make it. So, um, yes, yes. Know, I wanted to chime in right there because because our response matters because we're told to be ready to give an answer, and when mm-hmm. we are wishy-washy or we don't know what we think or we just kind of go along with everybody else there's a good chance going along with everybody else is the wrong answer and we have to be convicted of what we believe before we can uh enunciate it or project it or or make that uh pull you know that draw that line in the sand yeah um and you know usually when these conversations come up and just like the conversation came up in my in my my texture there's like this good and bad conversation that comes up. Uh, you know, usually it's like, I work with a lot of different diverse individuals. Um, you know, some might be homosexuals and some might be in the LGBTQ community and they're not bad people. They're good people. And and I think, I think that's an interesting concept because I, I do believe that there are people with good intention. And I don't know that this is a, we try to put this into like a good versus bad category um i don't think that's the right question uh you know it's i don't want to say that good versus bad isn't it doesn't apply because it does but it's important that we understand that god determines um and i don't want to use good versus bad it's it's really the question is right versus wrong and it's god that determines it not our feeling you know i'm around a lot of people that that i would consider to be you know nice and well-intentioned people but don't live a live lives contrary to God's direction. And I think the question is that we need to be asking ourselves uh, when we're interacting with others around us uh, is, uh, are these individuals believers and are they walking with Christ? You know, do they have that same goal as us? Do they have that same goal of reaching, you know, achieving eternal life with Christ? Um, and to, you know, to one day live an eternity with our Lord and Savior. And that's, and that's the question that we need to ask. And, uh, I want to go ahead and jump into some scriptures um, okay. real quick. And I, I think in, this is kind of, you know, there's kind of a, a roundabout way, but I, I think it's, but it's, it's an important thought process. And we're gonna, I want to turn over to Moroni chapter 6 to begin with. And I think the whole chapter is important. It's a short chapter, Moroni chapter 6. And uh, it's about baptism. And I think it's an important, it's an important concept for us to understand with this right versus wrong. And, and let me let me just read. And now I speak concerning baptism. Behold, elders, priests, and teachers were baptized, and they were not baptized, save they brought forth fruit, meat that they were worthy of it. Neither did they receive any unto baptism, save they come from a broken heart, a contrite spirit. And witnessed unto the church that they truly repented of all their sins. And now were received unto baptism, save they took, and none were received unto baptism, save they took upon them the name of Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end. And after they had been received unto baptism, and were wrought upon and cleansed by the power of the Holy Ghost, they were numbered among the people of the Church of Christ. So, 
you know, specifically we're talking about people that are baptized and numbered among the church, right? Sure. And their names were taken, and they might be remembered and nourished, and they were good and they, nourished by the Word of God to keep them in the right way, to keep them continually watching and to prayer, relying alone upon the merits of Christ, who is the author and finisher of their faith. And the church did meet together off to fast and to pray and to speak one with another concerning the welfare of their souls. And they did meet together off to partake of the bread and the wine in remembrance of the Lord Jesus. And they were strict to observe that there should be no iniquity among them. And those who whoso was found to commit iniquity and three witnesses of the church did contemn them before the elders. And if they repented not and confessed not, their names were blotted out and they were not numbered among the people of Christ. As often as they repented, repented and sought forgiveness with real intent, they were forgiven. And their meetings were connected by the church after the manner of the working of the Spirit and by the power of the Holy Ghost. For the power of the Holy Ghost led them whether to preach or exhort or to pray or to supplicate or to sing, even so it was done. And you know, with this the set of scriptures, I, there are two there's two main ideas or thoughts that I that I think are pivotal to this conversation. The first one is these are so these are baptized members, and we talk about iniquity. You know, iniquity is is that type of sin where where we know what we're doing is wrong and we still choose to do it. We're willfully disobeying, right? These are members of the church. They know what they're choosing to do and they're committing a sin that is, um, that is worthy of having them removed from the church, right? These right. Are, these what, are, one of the questions yeah, I was going to ask you is what's the difference between sin and iniquity? Uh, right. So I guess that kind of answers that, right? <clears throat> right. So it's, it's the willful disobedience. So, um, you know, choosing, choosing to do it's wrong. And this isn't, these aren't, you know, I don't believe these are actions like running a red light or not wearing a mask in public or something like that. Like, you know, some of the, the, the things like the local ordinances of our land, these are like, when we're talking about it, we're talking about Galatians and Corinthians. We're talking about adultery. We're talking about fornication. We're talking about whoredom. Right. You know, if the, it's egregious enough that you kind of have to put your foot down and say stop, right? If it's egregious enough that you are setting a bad example for others. If it's a, if it's so bad that it's hard to look at, that is that is something where I have to do something about this cuz now you are affecting our spiritual well-being and the, and how I raise my children because they are watching this or they are ex- see that I am accepting of this behavior. Yeah. And we're told and we're told what to do. Right. And it's, it, you know, we have a process. And the reason why this is important is because I also hear arguments where I've seen different different people go, especially in the world today, not necessarily as much in the church, but where they look at somebody and go, well, people in church are just as bad as these other people. And they'll, they'll look at that and they'll go, well, specifically with the LGBTQ community, these are good people. Why are they different than these people? Well, the answer is we're all people. Right? We're all people. The difference is that the people in the church have a common goal. Um, and when sin is seen, they have to stop and they have to repent. And as much as they repent, they will be forgiven. So again, this isn't a right and wrong. It's a outcome. What is your goal? And are you repentful? And that's an important that because when you repent you're turning away from sin right you're ceasing to do that thing this isn't 
somebody right. saying they're sorry than continuing to do it. You know, they're turning away from it. There is a difference. And the other point that I want to bring out is <clears throat> when it comes to tolerance and acceptance in that situation, how much tolerance and acceptance does God have for iniquity? None. Zero. Zero acceptance. Zero tolerance. And that's not our rule. That is God's rule. And it's there for a reason. Um, but but in that same regard, he does allow time until, you know, that there's a pattern in the scriptures where he allows this to happen until a point, and then he has, and then he deals with it, right? The Israelites, uh, America, we're being told constantly in the script, in, in the Book of Mormon, they were ripened in iniquity, and then they were humbled, and then they kind of go up and down and up and down. But God steps in, and the he does not allow iniquity to overpower the righteous. And that, to me, is a, a good indicator of when he steps in. Yeah, and, I, and you know, I don't—when it comes to church, too, in that this is, this is removing somebody from, you know, from, from, the, from the books, right? That doesn't mean they can't come to church. It doesn't mean that they're not welcome. Good it point. just means that, yeah, you're not. The the purpose not, of, of uh, oh, I forgot the term. I had it just for a second. But the purpose of, of removing somebody's membership is to induce repentance. It's to uh, bring them back under um, that that umbrella of good behavior, I guess, that, that gets you God's blessings again. You, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm, I'm not saying it correctly. Well, to but... allow you to take sacrament as well, to partake in the things that we're commanded to do. That, you know, and that it, should, it, yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, and a, and a requirement. And that's important. It's important to enforce, to enforce those things, because God requires that we do. And if, we, and if they're not, then, then our society, our, our, our church falls apart. And it's important because those are those are our rules. Those are what God has commanded us to do. So, uh, you know, I, I keep using the, the term tolerance and acceptance. I don't really think tolerance. I know tolerance was used a lot in school while I was growing up. I don't know if it's really used at all anymore. Um, and it's important to understand, like we talked about, where we stand with it as Christians. You know, I, I as a Christian, and, you know, I don't think we should be standing for it at all. Um, and why? You know, and this is the question, you know, are you okay with a friend, a child, or someone you know going to hell? Because that's the question that we're asking. You know, when you accept or tolerate something that is iniquity, and you look at it, you don't say anything, you know, the, the, the outcome of that, at the end of it, is that that person that's committing it isn't, isn't going to make it. And the, the scriptures are very plain and simple on that. And there's not a lot of wiggle room there. Right. And, and that that's the real question. Right. I see examples of if they reject you, you shake the dust off of your off of your feet or your coat or something like that. And then you you walk away from them. And that that statement, that uh, attitude or, or behavior of walking away from them, that's tolerance. Right. That's I am. Now it doesn't matter anymore. I've tried and now I'm done. And now you exist over there and just leave me alone and I will leave you alone. And that's the kind of attitude. That's what I think the scriptural evidence of tolerance would be is I have tried with you before and you have rejected me to some, this message to some level that I won't do this anymore. 
Yeah, I think there's various degrees of that. Um, and this is my next, you know, this another question that I address is, can we love someone and not accept their lifestyle? And I, I think that, I think the answer is yes. Um, but it might not fit what the, because the world's definition of love is acceptance. There's a, there's a, there's a correlation that they try to make, but that's not necessarily true. I think in, in what you had just said, Daniel, I do not think that that's incorrect. I'm not disagreeing with it, but what, I think it depends on the situation, right? Because depending on how close somebody committing iniquity is to you, that kind of determines your, your, you know, your willingness to reach out to them. I, I do think there's a correlation there between family, friends, and, you know, um, strictly cutting people out, like cutting people out, going your separate ways, right? And I think that also depends on the person. You know, are they actively resisting? Are they influencing your family badly, right? Are they going to lead your kids down a bad path if it's a friend? Yeah. Or a yeah. Fa- family member, right? So that there's varying degrees of how, you know, we should interact. And that's, you know, that's on a very personal level, right? Um, but I absolutely agree with you in the fact that if I had, you know, a family member or a friend that was, you know, openly going to try to lead my children, which we're going to get into, like in those scriptures about how we're responsible for them astray, then, you know, I, I need to take a more act, a, a more separated role. And I don't, I think that's, that's very scriptural and I think that's very important, but you know, well, when it comes well, I don't to, see, I don't see that it has to be just children. You have to set this example everywhere to anyone who sees you, who sees your acceptance or tolerance for this, whatever, you know, uh, acceptance of iniquity is acceptance of iniquity. And it can be a bad example, not just to your children, but to, to anyone who is going to finger point and say, aha. Yeah, no, I, I, I do, I do agree with that. I, I don't, and I, I think we're making two separate points. Okay, but go I ahead. think they're both valid. Um, you know, my only point was, you know, I think we can still show love for somebody, and not accept them, in this, and I would argue that it shows more love than accept. Um, I, I would argue that it shows more love to somebody, uh, to actually talk to them. Like we really need to be open and honest and very concise about what we believe and not apathetic. And um, I think, cause I think apathy is what the world really wants. It wants us to go, well, that's, that's none of my business. It's not my problem. But if you're somebody that, that is there and you're having that conversation with that person, that person in most of the, not all the cases, but probably trusts you, you know, that you have a connection, you have a friendship, you need to be honest because that's who, you know, that's who we are. That's, the rules that we follow. Okay. Um, and so, if that person's sitting and they're going to listen to you and they're committed and, they're, and they are somebody that is engaged in iniquity. Yes. You know, they're open to that, which is different than somebody that's, clo- that's close to and is trying to sway you a different way. Yes, yes. And we have to have discernment. Oh, so, so I, I'm sorry, I cut in like three times on you. Um, that when it goes back to that verse, be ready to give an answer. Somebody is going mm-hmm. to be open for, to a discussion with you Absolutely. We have to be ready and we have to, that's, that's that door opening. That's that you can no longer be apathetic because somebody out there is seeking truth. And so that part of it is, is just the opposite of shaking the dust off your feet. Cause now that person is receptive somewhat to a conversation, to understanding what you believe, to, you know, to hearing and to listening, and if that's all it is, that's like the the. I don't want to take your verse away, but uh, are you going to go to Alma uh, 
talk about that that seed or, or I don't know. That's what I think of. I actually don't have that verse, but so you should talk about it. Okay, so so if you if there's that seed planted and it can grow, you know that's the beginning of something, and they can test it to see if it's good, and that part of it we have to be uh, aware and I, I guess discern when those opportunities come. But but I I love the point you made about apathy is just the opposite of love. I'm so indifferent of you and anything you do that it doesn't even register with me. That that is that is the ultimate uh disrespect. It's it's when you're playing basketball and someone makes a basket and gets in your face and pumps their fist and you don't even notice them. It's like act like you've been here before and made a basket before. Cuz you're just so insignificant. You don't matter to me that you're celebrating that's the ultimate diss, right? That's the ultimate disrespect is to not acknowledge your opponent. Yeah. And I, I think of it like, so when I'm thinking about it, I think about it, which is interesting. Your sports analysis is very interesting. Um, as somebody that doesn't play basketball at all, <laughs> but I can see when <laughs> I do, I guess I have played with you before, but um, yeah, no, I, I see Right. So not being engaged, not being there, not caring. Uh, you know, when I think, when I think of apathy, I think about like the world when, when like when you're, I don't know. I, these different conversations are going through college, like the idea that this whole, the, um, I guess my mind goes to when somebody, when the, the ideas out there, like be an ally, right? Be an ally to the LGBTQ community. And if you're not, you need to be silent. You need to be quiet. Why is it your point? Right? So those are, those are the two choices that are presented. Either you're for us, and you're with us, or you need to be apathetic, I think is the, the way. Why does it matter? You have nothing there to say, both of which are not correct. Um, and that's where my mind goes to apathetic. Like, they have a, there's a requirement from the world to be apathetic. They think that's an acceptable way. Um, but I don't they have the right to choose evil? Yeah. You're so not I, making a choice for them. I'm just saying, you know, yeah. there's there's no point can we make a choice for somebody else. You know, everyone has the, you know, their own choice. Uh, we have our own choice, our kids do. I don't, I don't think we can, you know, we can't make or change it. But we, like you said, you know, we need to be ready to give an answer at all times. You know, we need to, we need to be that light. Um, and I think it's worth, uh, you know. I'm trying to think of how to frame this. I don't know if I got in depth into this. I, you know, I grew up in a, um, I grew up in Tampa, Florida. And I grew up around a lot of uh, the LGBTQ community. And my parents had business dealings in real estate with different ones in there. And they had business partners. And I, you know, I would say that it was a regular, it was very, it was something that was, that I didn't notice as necessarily wrong growing up and not saying that my, you know, my parents didn't mention that it just as a kid, it like looked normal, right? Cause it was everywhere. But what I found very interesting is as I got older and as around that community more, I noticed a lot of heartbreak inside of it. Um, a lot of it, uh, like my, I know my parents' business partners that I had for a lot of years were two builders and they, and they're two men and they're married and one of them overdosed and another one killed themselves. And, you know, that's not an uncommon outcome in that community. There's a, there's a lot of drug use 
there's a lot of living for the moment. And, you know, those communities are different. Um, and what I mean by that is like, you know, male homosexual communities and different ones. It's not, it's portrayed as a very happy place, right? Why would you, why would you intervene? Why would you have an issue with these people's love? Well, the answer is, is that, you know, wickedness never was happy. You know, the Lord tells us there's a specific way to live and he wants us to be happy in this world. He wants us to make it, make it to live with him in heaven. And those things living in that way does not lead to happiness. Um, and that's, it's, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to see because the, the world wants to paint a different picture. And I just, from my personal experience, I have seen that it, it's not. It's, there's, there's a lot of wickedness in it and it leads to a lot of heartbreak. And I think having the opportunity to talk to somebody or maybe get, give them an opportunity to plant that seed, right? That it might grow, that they might like, you know, that lifestyle that God has, you know, destined or required us to live is one of happiness and joy. And that's what we want to share, right? Right. And uh, so it's hard. I just, my, my mind uh, wanders to like, you know, um, I can't remember the churches, but the ones that would go to like, um, they'd carry the signs around that said, God hates homosexuals. God hates, you know, this. And yeah, I, doesn't I that just turn your stomach? I think that God I never know, did it, that. It, Jesus never did that. No, he didn't. And it's important. And I don't, I don't think you can, I don't think that's convincing. It's real. It's really disheartening because it, there, there's, it's missing the charity aspect of everything. Yeah. Let's, um, do you have any, let's read another set of scriptures. Yeah. All right. So, so, uh, kind of draw us back into, into this. Um, so I would argue that there shows more love, uh, love to, 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 to come out and, and say, and to, to show somebody or explain to somebody exactly what God, how they want us to live and to be apathetic. Right. So yes. let's, uh, let's move on to Moroni chapter seven. And we're going to do chapter seven verses one through 18. And it says, and now I'm Rona, I write a few words, my father Mormon, which he speaks concerning faith, hope, and charity. For after this manner did he speak unto the people, as if he taught them in the synagogue, which they had built um, for the place of worship. And now I, Mormon, speak unto you, my beloved brethren, and it is by the grace of God and the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and his holy will, because of the gift of his calling unto me, and I am permitted to speak unto you at this time. Wherefore, I would speak unto you that unto you that are of the church and are peaceable followers of Christ that have obtained a sufficient hope by which you can enter into the rest of the Lord from this time henceforth until you rest with him in heaven. And now my, my brethren, I judge these things of you because you are your peaceable walk with the children of men. For I remember the word of God, which saith, by their works ye shall know them. For if their works be good, then they are good also. Behold, God hath said, A man being evil cannot do that which is good. For if he offereth a gift, or prayeth unto God, except he shall do it with real intent, it profiteth him nothing. For behold, if he can, if he counted unto him, <clears throat> if it is not counted unto him for righteousness, for behold, if a man being evil giveth a gift, he doth it grudgingly. Wherefore, it is counted unto him as if he had retained the gift, 
wherefore he is counted evil before God. And likewise also, if it is counted evil unto a man, if he shall pray, and not with real intent of heart, yea, and it profiteth him nothing. For God receiveth none such. Wherefore, a man being evil cannot do that which is good, neither will he give a good gift. For behold, a bitter fountain cannot bring forth good water, neither can a good fountain bring forth bitter water. Wherefore, a man being a servant of the devil cannot follow Christ, he cannot serve the devil. Wherefore, all things which are good cometh from God, and that which is evil cometh from the devil. For the devil is an enemy of God, and fighteth against him continually, and inviteth and enticeth to sin, and to do that which is evil continually. But behold, that which is of God inviteth and enticeth to do good continually. Wherefore, everything which inviteth and enticeth to do good, to the love of God, and to serve him, is inspired of God. Wherefore, take heed that Thank you, my brethren, that ye do not judge that which is evil to be of God, or that which is good of God to be evil. For behold, my brethren, it is given unto you to judge, that ye may know good from evil, that ye, and the way to judge is plain, that ye may with a perfect knowledge, as for the daylight is from the dark night. For behold, the Spirit of Christ is given to every man, that they should know good from evil. Wherefore, I show unto you the way to judge for everything which inviteth to do good and to persuade to believe in Christ is sent forth from the power of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, you may know with perfect knowledge it is of God. Wherefore, where, whatsoever thing persuadeth men to do evil and believe not in Christ and deny him and serve not God, then ye may know with a perfect knowledge it is of the devil. For after this manner doth the devil work, for he persuadeth no man to do good, no, not one, neither doth his angels, neither do they which subject themselves unto him. And now, my brethren, seeing that ye know the light by which ye may judge, which light is the light of Christ, see that ye do not judge wrongfully, wherefore before with that same judgment ye shall be judged, and ye shall also be judged. Wherefore, I beseech you, brethren, that ye should search diligently in the light of Christ, that ye may know good from evil. And if ye will lay hold upon every good thing and condemn it not, ye certainly will be a child of Christ. And I, and so, um, you know, with that scripture, I think it's important, it's imperative, um, God lays out that we we need to judge, right? And but we don't we do not want to judge wrongfully. Other important thing is every man has the spirit of God to know good from evil, and it's important that we recognize that because if we believe that every man has the ability to know good from evil, they should, you know, we can believe that they know somewhere inside them what they're doing is wrong. Um, from the way that God created them or intended them to live. Uh, to make it with him. And so, you know, that's, that's one thing that we have to cling on to when having these conversations. Um, but why is it important? You know, why is it important that we judge? You know, we're commanded to judge. Um, we need to do it. We need to do it correctly. We need to do it based on, on exactly how that scripture is written, right? That's, that's the litmus test. That's the good, that's the, the right versus wrong litmus test. Not our feelings, but, um, 
you know, does it do those actions, do those things that that we're judging, do they lead to eternal life? Um, but why is it important? I think there are three reasons it's important. Um, three main reasons. Uh, there's probably more, but these are my three at least. Um, the first is because we are responsible for our children. Um, Proverbs 22, 6. Uh, and I don't, I don't think we're, well, you know what? We can't, we have time. We're not really constrained, are we? No. So let's, uh, let's just turn there real quick. Um, and this is a verse that, that we, we all know. Um, and there's other verses. There's probably verses in each of these that might fit just as well, but Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, we have a responsibility as parents to train our children uh, in the way that they should go. Um, it is our responsibility to do that. And we need to be able to judge. We need to be able to judge our, you know, the, the friendships that we allow into their lives to influence them. Because not everyone in the world has the same goal as us, right? So that's the first, our children. The second and I think this is an interesting one, but it's it's for ourselves, right? We need to know how to judge for ourselves. And there's another scripture I want to turn to real quick. Um, so uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15.33. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. And it says, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. And, you know, I, the reason I included this scripture, um, was I got, one of my, one of my, uh, one of my cousins had posted on Instagram this scripture, but it didn't read like this. Um, it read because it was the NIV version, but let's, uh, you know, I had all these pulled up, but let's, I think it's worth going over to the NIV version because, uh, and I'll, I'll explain why. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three, and I'm not, I'm not a big, I'm not a proponent of the NIV in any way. My mother but, is uh, gonna love this. So they, they. I, I, I want to be, I want to be clear. I'm not, <laughs> but there's a reason why. Because I'm, I'm telling the story, right? Okay. Um. The, the way the NIV read, and this is what I, I had read, and started me to look at this verse, right? Um, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, Daniel, let me. Do those two verses read the same way to you? No. No, they don't. Right. So that's that. That would pique your interest, right? So I think this is an important thing because I, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying that King James is wrong. Um, by any means, I think they say the same thing. It's just when we're translating things, sometimes, uh, you know, the way that we need to understand it, right, from the, what it's translated from. Sure. So what I do what I do in this situation, I go, okay, my, my interest is peaked, and now I'm heading to Bible Hub, right? Right, you go into Strong's. I'm, go, I'm going, well, I do go to Strong's, but sometimes I like to go to commentaries, too. Um. And in this case, uh, what I find interesting about this verse, here, hold on, give me a second. You're going to have to forgive me for me taking the time to look all this up while we're, we're live here. But I think... <clears throat> it's okay. 
it allows yeah. me to say my mother my mother had an NIV book that she was giving out to people and with with uh the Church of Christ name on it. I was like, what are you doing? We don't need, we don't do this book, but but you know, I I don't know. So I gave her so much grief over over the NIV version of the Bible she was giving to people. And now she's going to hear this and she's going to give me a told you so. <laughs> It's not, it, the thing is, is, it's not that, um, well, I'm trying to navigate through here on my phone and it's like so slow. Hold on. Uh, first yeah. Corinthians. I'm terrible. I, I am a, a terrible person when it comes to like auditory. Like I cannot do two things at once. It's terrible. And I keep going to second Corinthians and it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fat fingering. It's so I can bad. edit this. And, um, no, I, I don't know. I don't think I would. <laughs> I think it's fine. My, my phone's just loading so slow. Okay. All right. I'm just going to, I'm going to paraphrase this. So essentially when you start getting into the commentaries, right? When you start reading through it, I, I usually start in Barnes notes because he seems to be very concise. Um, when I'm looking at commentators, uh, but, but it, it tends to lean to more towards the, the way that you would read it naturally out of the NIV, right? So, it talks about, um, you know, it come bad company corrupts your mannerism, right? Um, and I would I would encourage anyone to go read through that to look at the you know the the, the definitions. But you know, one of the definitions is manners. But it talks about um, in that verse in that section, it, it's specifically going to talk about how. Um, and when you read through it, it, it's not essentially the communications. That communication tends to translate into communications, but also company, also being around others. And it's it's important to see that because that's what the verse is trying to relay, in my in my opinion. You right. Know, the, it's trying to say the, the company take, you keep is going to change you. Yes. If you want to be a Christian, hang out with other Christians. If you want to learn how to be a pilot, you would hang out with pilots. If you want to be a basketball player, you hang out with good basketball players. You you know, you associate, you surround yourself with the influence that you want to adopt. Without a doubt, I believe that. Yeah, and I mean that's not even just a, you know, it, that's not the only place I've heard that concept, right? That's yeah. a widely. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard the like you are a, a combination of the five main people you hang out with? Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, this is this is integral, and this is the second point. It's important. For us, it's important for us to judge for ourselves because although we're like, we're not going to change, we're not going to be changed, we're not going to be influenced, I believe why, but you will be. The scriptures say you will be. It warns about it. So it's important. And that doesn't mean that you, you can't talk or be friends with or be around, you know, other other people or people that aren't Christians or maybe not living the right life, but it does mean that we need to primarily be around other Christians, which is why we're commanded to meet together off. Right. 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 I mean, it yeah. says it, be not unequally yoked. There, there's a lot of good examples about who you should be around and who you should uh, invite into your life. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let me, let's keep moving on. Third point. So first for our kids, second for ourselves and third. Um, and this is, 
and this is my my take on this, but third is 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 for the unbeliever. Um, and it's important that we judge, and that we and we correctly articulate what we believe and why we believe it, because you might be the only person in their life that's going to give them that connection to Christ or give them that opportunity. You know, you don't know. You don't know what their life is like. They might have not, they don't have a family. They were brought up the same way, right? You might be that connection. And it's important for us um, it's important for us to approach that from a place of love and it's important for us to share our belief for that opportunity, right? To plant that seed. Um, the problem I have with that is so much. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't have a problem with it at all. The I see, though, that Christianity, uh, the worldwide, right, is acceptance, is tolerating, is saying it's okay. And so... We're having a very, we're in a very small minority of um, Christians who stand out um, as, stand up to this, I guess. We're becoming smaller and smaller and fewer. Well, it's because that's easy. You know, the easy answer is very generally not the right one, right? Do, right. do the thing. Just accept it. Just, just do, right. That's there's no conflict of that, right? Things get stronger with conflict. We know that. You know the term "iron sharpens iron." Things of that nature. We we know that conflict is what makes us stronger as people. You know, in everything. But the you know the world wants to leave conflict. We want to move towards apathy. We want to move towards acceptance. Don't do it. There's I, there's I can't think of many examples in which just even our lives like in any way where conflict is avoided and we get stronger in any way. I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like it does. No. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, let's keep, uh, I want to read another scripture, right? Let's, uh, let's go to, go to, we're still in Moroni chapter seven, but let's flip over to verse, uh, 40, 47. And uh, we're going to read 47 through the end of the chapter. But it says, uh, Behold, I say unto you, that ye shall have hope through the atonement of Christ and the power of his resurrection, to be raised into eternal life, and this because of your faith in him, according to the promise. Wherefore, if a man have faith, he must needs have hope. For without faith there cannot be any hope. And again, behold, I say unto you, that he cannot have faith and hope, save he shall be meek and lowly of heart. If so, his faith and hope are vain, for none is acceptable before God, save the meek and lowly of heart. And if a man be meek and lowly in heart, and confess by the power of the Holy Ghost that Jesus is the Christ, he must needs have charity. For if he have not charity, he is nothing. Wherefore, he must needs have charity. You know, we must have faith, hope, and charity, but... You know, right here we're talking, we're going, you know, it's going really hard on charity and it's important. So we're going to go through this list, right, of what charity is. So, and charity suffereth long and is kind, and envieth not, and is not puffed up, and seeketh not her own, and is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, and I, I want to draw this one out, and rejoiceth and not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in, tr- in the truth. 
beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, if ye have not charity, ye are nothing, for charity never faileth. Wherefore, cleave unto charity, which is the greatest of all, for all things must fail. But charity is the pure love of Christ, and it endureth forever. And whoso is found possessed of it in the last day, it shall be well with them. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, pray unto the Father with all energy of heart that you may be filled with this love which he hath bestowed upon all who are true followers of the Son of Jesus Christ, that ye may become the sons of God, that when he shall appear, we shall be like unto him, for we shall see him as he is, that we may have this hope, that we may be purified even as he is pure. Amen. So, why is that charity, right? Why, why, uh, why do I want to draw it out? It does not rejoice in iniquity. You know, charity is something that's required. We have to have it. It's something that we're working towards, right? So we had the requirements of baptism, baptism right at the beginning. We talked about that in Moroni chapter six. That is just the beginning of, of the process. And we go on to faith, hope, and charity. It's something we hone. It's something we pray for, right? But a distinct descriptor of charity as the pure love of Christ is it doesn't rejoice in iniquity. And this is one of the points that I, I really want to make because that's not what's happening today. And uh, my friend, I know I talked to, you know, we had talked about playing this video, um, but my buddy uh, from, from Florida that I grew up with had sent me a video on Saturday before church, um, the, before I gave the sermon. And um, you, you know, you know, Blue's Clues, right, Daniel? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he sent me this, and it was, you know, Blue's Clues is a kid's show. Um, it was from when my, really when my sister was a kid. Uh, so she's, my sister's six years younger than me. And I, I remember watching a bunch of episodes of it on the TV when I was a kid. And I think mostly now it's like formatted online. But he sent me this video, right? And uh, it's, I, the first, I watched it and I didn't think it was real. Um, but if you go online and you search like Blue, Blue's Clues Pride Parade, it comes up. But essentially, I'm just going to give you the gist of it. There's, there's a parade, right? And then they have um, the singer sing to the tune of the Ants Go Marching One by One and the parades these families in front of it. And they are homosexual families and transgender families with their kids. And there is, and what, you know, what's the point of a parade, Daniel? What is a parade? It's a party. It's a party. It's a celebration, right? Everyone's there. They're excited. They're celebrating something. This video is celebrating iniquity. And it's saying that's what love is. The world and what it's trying to teach our kids. And, you know, there's no way to beat around it. They are teaching the opposite of charity, which is a requirement to go to heaven. Charity is not rejoicing in iniquity. And it's not just blues clues. I don't want to just, that's not the point of that, but the idea that love is tied to rejoicing in iniquity is very, is, is a key focal point of the world in this month. And we see it everywhere. Um, I think the U.S. Army put out a, a video recently, a recruiting video to do it. Um, other government agencies have. But 
all the corporations, but there's a celebration of iniquity happening. And it's important for us to see that that is the absence of charity. And like I, I never really put that together before because um, that never really stuck out to me until I started thinking about celebrations and parades and things like that. But it's important to understand that that is directly opposite of what God wants for us. Does that make sense? When Yeah, when these parades happen for a... You know, it, it goes beyond, I mean, the, the gay pride parades that you see are very good at flaunting and, and uh, giving the appearance of, of joy and happiness and, and love and what they're doing. And to see it displayed like that is just, with this understanding now, it is, you cannot unsee it. And now it just turns my stomach. It, it, it means so much more. Uh, and it's so much more um, vile than I than I was than my view before. Like I was, in some respect, I was tolerating and I was accepting of. Oh, there they go. They do their 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 parade. This is the month when everybody we're all going to be inundated with rainbow flags. Which you you know just it's just now when I see it because of your sermon, I cannot unsee that they are celebrating iniquity and in that verse that, that we, that this is not charity understanding what the pure love of Christ is. And they're going the exact opposite and they're showing it to the world. That just is, it affects you. It it shakes me up, I guess. And it's not, and, and it's because it's, it's so pervasive because it's not just, it's not just this parade, but it's, companies all across america it's everyone it's everywhere tv station anything um and it's, it's just important to understand why we believe what we believe and and that's that's really the crux of this uh right it's that we're to have charity and the world is actively trying to seek and i think it's, it's important for us right but it's also important that we teach our children because the world is actively trying to teach them a different definition. They're trying so, to make them not have charity. Right. They're celebrating iniquity, yeah. right. With that with that definition, they are celebrating iniquity. But here's the thing. We, and maybe you're going to make this point next, but the idea that we we are not against the person, we're against the sin, right? We're... we're it doesn't matter if you're, you're homosexual or you, or you have these tendencies. If you are if you have um, a heterosexual lifestyle, but you're still doing something iniquitous, we can't tolerate, we cannot um, uh, be apathetic towards that either. Yeah. And, and we have, we have a, we have a distinct, um, a distinct reason, right? Because for ourselves, for our children, we have to have charity. It is a requirement for us as Christians, right? That's something we have to have. We don't, we can't have a twisted form of charity. That's not charity, right? And this is the point that I want to get back to. I had mentioned that, that family text message group that I had, that discussion that was going on. And, you know, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit because I think in my mind, this is how to round it all back through. Um, 
is how my thought works. And, and I think this is a hard topic. Um, and, you know, what I said was I do not, uh, I do not think that me being accepting is showing love, right? Acceptance or apathy does not equal love. I would not, uh, and this is, and this is where to just counter, to, to not counter it, but to go along with your point. Um, you know, I would not allow a heterosexual unmarried friend or family member to spend the night at my house you know, with their girlfriend or boyfriend. You know, this isn't just, and I want to make this point very clear, this isn't, you know, we, we're focused in on the LGBTQ community, right? But there's more than just that, you know, homosexual or homosexuality that is iniquity to God. There's heterosexual sin too. Um, and we're, <laughs> we're required to protect our, you know, our children from that as well. Um, I wouldn't allow that just as I would not uh, allow a family member, you know, I wouldn't allow a heterosexual family member to influence my kid just like I wouldn't allow a homosexual family member. Um, and that doesn't mean I don't love them. Right. You know, I think this, the attitude that I think we should adopt is very similar to how God, um, how we are to discipline our children, right? How God wants us. Okay. So. Um, or how God would expect us to interact with our children. So let's just read a few more scriptures here. Uh, sure. Let's turn over to Proverbs. Um, Proverbs chapter 13. And this is kind of the point that I tried to bring out when I was in that discussion. You know, I, back to you know, apathy does not equal love. It doesn't equal love and child rearing either. 13.24 So he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chastises him between time. You know, it... You know, God points out that if we don't chastise our children, we hate it. Right? Yeah. So, just for our children, right... It, and then let's, you know, let's read another one real quick. Hebrews chapter 17, or sorry, chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Turn over there. And these aren't the only verses like this. There's, they're everywhere. Maybe not everywhere, but there's a lot of them. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with son. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? You know, God shows his love too through chastening. He expects us to show that same through our kids. It takes love and effort to raise our children to correct them. It's much easier to just say, oh, he's fine. Oh, he's, oh, that's just how he, you know, but God explains, and we all have different ways of disciplining our children. This isn't, you know, coming at that. But the fact is, is input and energy into child rearing equals love, right? Yeah. Parent you from your feet, not from your seat. Right. And in whatever way that you do it, if you're putting effort in, that's what we have to do. We have to, we have to chase it, right? Um, and we have to do that with our kids. 
And God does that with us because he loves us. And I want to just bring it back to a point of conflict because what God's requiring is conflict between us and our children. If we have love, we have conflict. Same thing with our interactions, I think, with other people. There's a comparison to be drawn there, right? We do not love when we ignore sin. Why are we chastening our children, right? So that they grow up and they know right from wrong. So they might return to it, right? They might stray, but they might, they, the idea is that they may come back. Because that's why we do it. The same reason why we interact and we don't ignore sin. Because if we mm. ignore it, then it's just going to continue. There's no reason, but maybe it continues anyway. But if you don't, if you don't act, if you don't have a reaction, if you don't put effort in, yes. Then just as you hateth your child, you hateth that other person, right? Right. I mean, if you if you show and live a lifestyle where you uh, don't, uh, yeah, I, I'm just gonna say the same thing you just said, but but the the way we it, go, it goes back to you parent from your feet, not from your seat. You have to show action, and so in doing so with the people around us that we love, that we come in contact with we have to show this behavior the correct way or they, if we don't, I'm looking at it the other way. You are showing acceptance. You are showing tolerance. You are showing that there's nothing. It must not be iniquity. It must not be anything bad with what I'm doing. If you are not correcting it. I mean, if you are, are, and, and it goes to a lot of different levels, not just uh, heterosexual and living out of, out of wedlock or, or, or in sobriety or, or, you know, there's a lot of things we have to come out and say, Hey, we don't believe like this. We don't do this. We don't talk like this. We don't, you know, and, and, and if we have to iterate each of them, cause if we don't, if we miss that opportunity to say what we believe, to say the truth, we are doing just the opposite by not saying anything. And that's what charity is, right? It, enjoy, it rejoices in truth. Um, you know, and I, just to reiterate, there are three three items, right, that I want to talk about, right? What does it show when we avoid conflict, right? It, you know, I, I was trying to think of how to put these, um, but at least this is how it comes out of my head. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's that I don't have the conviction to protect my family. It's not a big deal, right? If we're not willing to confront it. No big deal. That's what we're showing. Yeah. Um, two, do I really believe this person is going to hell for this? Or I don't care that they do. You know, that's, you know, because when we're talking about iniquity, we're, we're not talking about, we're talking about, you know, we're going growth and right? The, the, those sins that are, you know, rise to that level that, that we see through Galatians, Colossians, Ephesians. Right. Um, yeah, and then three, um, you know, I'm more worried about somebody's feelings than their soul. And that's not love. That's, uh, that, that's like what you're saying. You know, the idea of, of just avoiding it, right? Um, you're making an excuse. Cause if feelings isn't, isn't where it comes in, it's, it's God's law. Um, yeah. And so a few other verses, just to kind of, you know, result, you know, first Peter 315, you know, we want to be ready to give an answer. We need to be ready to give an answer for that, you know, for that hope that's in us. 
that um, verse, that theme has been coming up over and over in my life, uh, being ready to give an answer. And I have been directed, it seems like that in that way to this is the message of the day. This is the message of our day is to be ready to give an answer, be ready to, to speak the truth in love to those around us who, who have no source or guidance because increasingly there is, everyone is just kind of just getting soft. Yeah. And there, and what I find really interesting too, is that there is a lot of other people out there um, that believe this way. I, you know, I, I've mentioned in some of my other sermons, like I was going back home and meeting with some of my friends that, uh, you know, I grew up with and they, you know, they're leaving churches because the church doesn't, it doesn't believe in dreams. They don't believe they're starting, like their wives are having experiences and they're being dismissed. Um, it's, it's really neat. Uh, just going around, Amanda just had another experience where she just went to an estate sale yesterday and met another couple that um, had very similar beliefs. And, you know, it's, you know, there, there are people out there searching and they know what's going on in the world is wrong. Um, but they're, they're leaving their churches and they're just, they're waiting. They're looking for truth. So we need to take those opportunities. Um, let's see here. Um, so, you know, another thing I want to talk about real quick, Mark, you know, 2, 15 through 17, you know, where Christ goes and he eats with sinners. I think this is an important verse to talk about when we're, so Mark 15 through 17, right? That story where Christ is, where Christ it goes and he eats with the, with the, uh, with the publicans and the, uh, the sinners and then the the Pharisees come and they, you know, they they start commenting, you know, why why would you do this, right? Influences and he talks and he says that, you know, why does, you know, the, those that are whole don't seek a position, right? If you're yeah. healthy, you don't need a position, but those that are sick do. Um, and just I, I think about that situation. I think how did that arise? Did Christ just, you know, did he inject himself? Probably not. He was probably invited to go eat with them. And do you, in, in this, you know, I don't see a situation where he wasn't sharing, you know, the truth. Like he was invited. And I've seen different situations like this all the time where somebody might be living a different life. And I've had experiences too. I'm sure you have where somebody wants to know how you're living in Christ at that time. Probably definitely was sharing that, right? People knew who he was. They wanted to hear more about it, and he was being criticized for doing that. But what I don't think was that he was he he was in a position where that those that was his you know his main group of people that he was around. That was his you know he had his disciples, he had believers. Yeah, it's not. It, I think sometimes it's used as an excuse that verse to um, keep bad company. If that makes sense, and I don't think that's what that is. I think that's it, that verse should be, you know, always viewed as somebody is Christ taking the opportunity to to talk to us, to sinners, right? And it's very clear when he's talking about needing a physician. Um, and then also with the other verses about where we're given warnings that you know that bad company can corrupt your manners, can change you. Um, all right. You know, that's, that's really the whole crux of my sermon I gave. Um, there's one more point that I did want to make. Um, you know, I think 
I think it's important in this world, I guess two more points, it's important in this world to take that time to go out and help others. I think about opportunities and, you know, we have a limited amount of time every day. And I think in my mind, like if somebody asked me for help and I'm not, and by help, I mean very specifically, like, you know, somebody's asking me to spend time with them. Um, who, who am I going to, you know, spend time with? I, I, I think if I had to choose between, if I, I had a conflict in scheduling between somebody, you know, in the church and somebody that's a believer and somebody that really wanted me to spend time with them that's outside of the church, that's seeking, and that's living a, a lifestyle that's, that's not in that of God, I think I would take the time to go help and spend time with them. Um, in every situation that, and let me give you an example, so it's not just anecdotal. Um, you know, I, my kid, we were, my kids and I are very active. Um, we go and we do different things. Uh, the other, like, I actually, this example is from like two years ago, I was doing jujitsu and, uh, and that evening, one of the younger kids, a 19 year old guy, you know, we'd finished, it's nine o'clock, you know, we're heading out to the car. Amanda's calling me, dinner's ready. I got a 30 minute drive home and he asks me what I believe, right? I've got work in the morning. I got to be up at like 6 a.m. Um, my wife wants me home. Am I going to take the time to talk to him about what I believe? Am I going to take 20 to 30 minutes to discuss with him my beliefs, my what gives me hope, right? Because I'm commanded to. And I think that's love. I think we have to always be willing to take that time. You know, it, it might be, and in that case, inconvenient for us um, to do that, but we always need to. Um, and usually it's a commitment of time, right? Where do you want to spend your time? So you have to be available. And I think that's a requirement. I think that's part of it. And it, um, I, I bring that up because I think to back to uh, the idea of acceptance, Right. Um, you know, the world would teach us to accept, like not to go against it. Right. So distinctly talking to that individual is like, I'm not, I'm not coming from a place of acceptance. Um, it, there's going to be some conflict in what I believe versus their, their belief system or their lifestyle. Right. Uh, and in that case, just depending on, on who it is, you know, the world could look at that as me being not accepting or a bigot or something of that nature because I'm not, but I think it's important to always do that in any instance that we get opportunities to. Um, and that's love. But I think the world would define it differently. Um, let's see here. My other last point, going back to Moroni chapter six. And I, I kind of, I talk about this because I talk about it with our, our teens and our youth group, you know, I think that an interesting point that I'd like to bring back out is in Moroni chapter six. You know, if you're considering baptism, you know, baptism is just the beginning. Baptism doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. If you're waiting to be perfect and you're waiting to be baptized because you're waiting to be perfect, uh, it's not, it's never going to happen. You're never going to be baptized. Um, you know, in this instance, we have these, these individuals in the church, right? And at this and and Moroni in chapter six, and they are, committing iniquity and they are forgiven right and these aren't these aren't individuals that are just committing iniquity or sin that are like speeding you know they're probably individuals that are engaged maybe in um in whoremongering or adultery or homosexuality maybe or other things like that 
they get off track and they repent and come back. It's important that we make that first step. And that's what baptism is. It's a first step, right, of getting on the path. Um, it does not mean that you're going to be perfect. And it does mean that you're going to do what God asks you to do. So. And that's the last point that I wanted to end on, I guess. Do you have any comments or anything else you want to add? Uh, I, I could take us down a different direction with that last baptism comment. So. <laughs> I, I might do it just for... I mean, for, if you want to take us, go ahead. I, uh, so, so if you have enough understanding of the scriptures and about what baptism means, you know enough about who Jesus is and you still are not baptized, is that a bit of a condemnation? I, I shouldn't say a bit. I just kneecapped my sentence. Is that a condemnation of Christ? If you understand it well enough to be baptized and yet you don't, I have criticism for those people. Uh, yeah, no, I actually, I think that's, that's true, right? Because you know you need to be, right? If you know you need to be baptized, you know God requires it, you know it's commanded, uh, then you need to be baptized. I don't, I don't see, I went through some scriptures with my, with our youth group, right? Um, and I don't see where it says, you know, there, there are scriptures where, right, in the Book of Mormon, it says, if you want to know these things are true to ask God, that's not a prerequisite to being baptized. You know, our church believes in the Book of Mormon. Um, and I think that's an important thing to believe, but that's not a crux to baptism. Like, you need to be baptized. And then the question is, who can baptize? You know, with authority is something you need to ask yourself. And I look at my youth group and I, you know, I ask them because the only, the only scripture that I see, you know, there, there are some requirements, right? Broken heart, contrite spirit. That's a requirement. Yes. A fruit worthy of a baptism, like, a, like actions, right? Yeah. That, that you're worthy of baptism. That's another one. The third one is not as a little child. You can't be a little child. That's wrong. You have right? to have little some type of accountability. Yes. Yeah, but what's a little child? And this is what I asked them. I asked each of them, you know, I said, are, are, are you a little child, right? And, you know, we have different ages in, in our group from, you know, I believe 11, 12, 12 to 6, 15, turning 16. You know, are you a little child? And, you know, the vast majority, just, just an ad, I don't, I, you know, that's kind of an arbitrary thing. What is a little child? But I'll tell you this, only one of them thought they were borderline a little child, which was the youngest one. So, you know, that's my question. You know, I know that that's a, that's a topic. It's a topic that I've been thinking of myself, right? What constitutes a little child? And, uh, you know, I, I think there's, when you, when, you know, human desires start entering in, it's a different age for different people, but like a certain level of innocence leads. I think that that's a transition out of, being a little child and it's not that a child shouldn't be baptized it's just a little child should be right right and uh i think that's that's an important distinction because so you know I, I i've wavered in the past i go back and forth like who you know what age is appropriately baptized i've got kids you know my oldest son is turning 10 this year you know when is he not a little child when do i want him to consider baptism and, you know, I think when I read the scriptures is when he doesn't consider himself a little child, right? I 
I you're you're yeah. you're hitting a, a nerve, right? I have your because I'm and same same parent. I have a 13 year old, and I just there's I ugh. he wants to get baptized. I told him, look, you need to have. I want you to study these chapters. I want you to be with the minister who goes over these things with you, not me. I want you. I want someone else to verify that you have you you check these boxes. But I want to see some level i take it a little bit different perspective i want to see some level of maturity and yeah, so but you're talking about fruit you're not you're not disagreeing with me you think you are but you're not because it's you're, you're talking about like uh yeah that 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 fruit right that that show that they're ready okay okay yeah you're, you're so, looking so i'm looking at it like level of maturity you are saying well they don't fit in this box of little child so they must be in this box over here and i'm saying okay they're they don't quite i'm looking to see if they make the measure into that box so are there is there a level of maturity that puts them up into this box and so i so you're saying well they're they're obviously not here so they must be in that box and i'm saying well what do i see that absolutely puts them into that box and so there's two ways of looking at it but we're both parents of a younger boys growing up and and they're going to make this step and yeah so but the point i was getting to is when i see people 20 years old 30 years old uh, uh and they are not baptized and they know they should be you know i have a reservation about my dealings with them and my relationships with them are reserved more yeah, because you're definitely because because it's it's a it's a change. You know that they are at that level of maturity, and that's where it's difficult, right? So, like, where do you where do you make that cutoff? And I'm not saying that every 13 year old. I don't I don't know what age. No, I don't know the age. <laughs> they yeah. need to be right because the scriptures don't give us an age. If it gave us an age, that would be a lot simpler, right? But there's obviously a gray area that, that we're discussing that's mm. in the middle. But the thing is, um, baptism, and here's why I baptism is, and you made a point of this, it is a unifier. We have a lot of things we disagree on, but what are our goals? We are baptized. We want to go to heaven. We want to follow Christ. We believe in he is the son of God. We believe in the Book of Mormon and, and the Bible is the scriptures. We, this is a unifier, and that creates a bond which we have to respect through Christ and these people want this bond with me if and you are not baptized there's i can't go quite to that level the, the, you yeah. are separating yourself from the body of Christ and it's your own choice and that's the part i can't i can't um to to me that is that is <laughs> i have to make a determination and it goes back to what we're talking about um yeah. And I think, and I think part of that though is we need to be encouraging of people to make that choice too. If they're if they're on the cross, and where does that come from? It comes from it comes from the scriptures of it's required. You know, there. You know, I talk to the different teens, and they say, "Well, I'm waiting for this or that," and that's the same thing with a lot of a lot of a lot of different adults too, right? They're waiting for something to put to push them into it. But what we need to do is make sure that we're studying. It's the same thing that you're doing with your kid though, right? So I, I just to kind of go back to that point. You're looking at your 13 year old and you're trying to get him to study and to look at it and to show it because you're thinking, cause you have a concern and because you think he should be, he's going through that transitional time. I guess I'm kind of getting off track here. I think there's an important, there's important distinction. I agree with you 
I definitely don't disagree. And I just, I want, I want to, you know, iterate. I don't know that everyone has that same view. It took me a lot of years, I feel like, to commit to the church when I was around it. Like I had a belief in the Book of Mormon for years before I became a member of the church. Uh-huh. Years. And I was, I, and I was waiting. And at some point I just, it, it took years and I just, I'm like, why am I waiting? Right? But it took a lot of, it took different people spending time with me and effort you know, to make me realize I, I didn't need that. And I keep, I would hear different things like, oh, do you have a, you know, an experience or a, or this? And just realizing, well, what, you know, what am I waiting for? Right. And I think there's just that hump sometimes that we, we got to get over. But I think it's usually through relationships and people taking time and effort. And then, uh, you know, that realization and that studying and that personal, that push from others to set, to uh, making that a focus and asking. Well, say, this is my push then, is that you knowingly, you know, this unbaptized person, you are knowingly going against one of the the laws of God. Mm -hmm. That, how is that different, this is going to sound bad, than gay pride parade? I am showing up every Sunday, I'm coming to Sunday school all the time, I'm using, you know, the church as my daycare. And I, I just am not committed enough to actually say, this is my church. This is my church. I call it my church. I'm not going to get baptized in it. You know, that this kind of behavior is like, something's wrong. So something is broken and I don't, what, what is, what is the difference between that and your flaunting your uh, iniquitous behavior? And to me, is it iniquity? No, but is it? So there's okay. there's smoke there's fire there's something wrong with that yeah it might it might be a certain level of you know commitment to it they're not ready to make that jump you know i came i came to church for years like i said before i was baptized you know i i knew i knew the book of mormon i had a witness in the book of mormon very many years before i became a member it's just a, a willingness maybe and I know that you use the example, right? So my perspective is a little bit different because I didn't grow up in the church. There's a certain choice that I, like I had to make because I grew up differently. You know, I grew up in a split Nazarene slash Baptist background, but I have, you know, uncles that are, that are, that are ministers and others in different churches and different sects. And there are certain ideals that I had that I had to get past and it took time you know, to, to figure out what I believe, to study, to change, to change to what I needed to be. And maybe and there's different times that people have. And I think about um, that parable, uh, I don't remember what it is, the parable where um, you have the, the, the master who's paying different workers, right? To work in the field. Yeah. Yeah. And he's paying them the same, like they're getting the same wage for different times that they start. And I think in this case, I, 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 I don't, I understand your sentiment and I don't think it's necessary. Like I, I, necess, I, I can see where that is sometimes, but I think, I think there's also a warning there. Like you don't want to end up being, you know, that worker that's complaining about other workers, right? It <laughs> takes different people, different amounts of time. The prodigal son's brother, right? Yeah. We have different, we have different things in our head. We have different experiences. We have different upbringings. We have different reasons not to. And we have to show love and we have to show 
you know, patients and we want to spend time because what do we want? We want them to make it with us. And, but that's ultimately going to be their choice. Okay. But these people, they're drawing a circle and they are putting themselves in it, but they're not putting themselves within that inner circle, which would be my name is written in the books of heaven. My name is up here and Christ has is adopted me and Christ is saying this one is mine. They they're losing that opportunity. And, and yes, they are. And, and it might not be their time yet. But they, I mean, the opportunity is still there. Any Sunday that they come is an opportunity. So isn't this the perfect argument, the perfect example of now we talked about baptism and our love for these people who are who aren't baptized and yet the same same argument applies for that gay gay pride parade or any iniquitous behavior where they're celebrating iniquity i i see a similarity a similitude that we have to have um uh, uh the same amount of love exists for both situations and yet something to me i i see has to be um encouraged and 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 bring those people into the fold and i think i see both of them the same way uh as far as how yeah, our actions, need, we need to have effort. How our actions should I be agree. is have yes, yes, have effort and have um. You cannot, you cannot uh, uh, um, not make an action or or you cannot be apathetic. Apathetic is the worst. We have to say something and we have to encourage and we have to invite and we have so. Yeah, I think I think this invite is over a, to your house for dinner. Go play basketball with that. Do something. Create a bond. Ask them why they're not baptized. Yeah. <laughs> it's really because th there, there's got to be a reason. And if no one's no one's talking to them, no one's speaking to them about it, you know, no one's taking the time or putting the effort in to invite. That's hard. And I don't know if it is. I'm not saying that it is or isn't. But I, I, I just I I think that's a hard line to draw. So like for in our church, we have different members. Like when I got baptized, like it took it took me a few years. But there are two other individuals inside of our church that got baptized with me, and they had been in the church much, much like their family members were raised, their kids were baptized. They got baptized at the same time as me. They may they even come to the church for decades. You know, sometimes it's just different timing, right? Yep. Um, you know, and not saying that the effort wasn't made, it, because I'm sure it was. It was just personal choices right but they're there right they, they get the same reward as the as the person that gets baptized as a 15 year old 16 year old kid that stays in the church they, they get baptized at 60 65 no i've got no problem with that 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 part of the equation is i'm not bitter that i had to i had to enjoy the <laughs> lifestyle of a christian longer than they did that's that's yeah. like saying, oh man, they got to sin so much longer than me. What what yeah. that is so backwards. <laughs> no, and that's and that's true. I'm not saying that that you are. I just I there's um we had a we have a member June Haynes who she always gives a testimony when she's 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 older and she hasn't been out as I haven't seen her in a while, and she usually drives from a, a distance away and she's getting a lot, lot older, but she would always give a testimony that, you know, she would stand up and say that she regretted waiting so long to become a member. And she gave that testimony like every testimony service that we have. 
and how thankful and how much life was better once she became a member. But I, uh, I think about that because, you know, there's, there's that, right? Like why, you know, we, we have our different reasons, but there's a lot of examples I see where I, you know, I would encourage somebody to become a member and commit, right? Take that next step and get on that path. Cause it's, that's all that you're, you're, you haven't even started if you haven't done the first step of getting onto the path. That's, that's what I'm saying. They haven't even started. True. hundred percent. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't think we, we disagree on, on many things, Daniel, or anything at all. I think we're right there with each other. I think I'm just more critical of people than you are. <laughs> I think we just present it different ways. I think they're the same points though. Yeah. No, no. I enjoy, um, and this, I love talking with you. I love visiting with you. I especially loved this uh, sermon you just gave. Um, we'll try to put a bow on this, wrap this up in, in, I, so there were three points you made about, uh, why we do this. It's for our children. It's for ourselves. Right. And then it's for people who see us. So we might react or, 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 um, uh, find truth through us. And those are big points. Then there were, was the three points of how, um, uh, uh, I don't know if there's three points, but the, the idea that baptism is a unifier for all of us. And what is our goal is to get to heaven. Right. And so these, this is, I, I look at baptism as a unifier and I think this is a good point you made that the people outside of that baptism, do they have the same goals as us? And that is a good indicator of whether or not they do. But, but you and I have different uh, understanding there. Uh, of how we measure that. But then the people out there who are living and celebrating, um, iniquity, the, what, how we are seeing it today and how it's portrayed is the exact opposite of charity. And they are celebrating iniquity in a, in a party and a celebration in a, in a parade of something that we have to, uh, uh, we cannot be apathetic towards. We have to take action. Otherwise we are saying, we don't care if you go to hell. We don't care what happens to you. That's how much it is not love to be tolerant of people's beliefs. It is the opposite of love. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can you, you summarize it very well. Okay, but you gave good scriptures. Uh, Moroni 6 and 7. Uh, you could just read those two chapters to get a better understanding. And then uh, the other one you read was uh, Corinthians Two fifteen, First Corinthians two fifteen thirty three. Okay, I think. Uh, so yeah, thank you for your time, and uh, I hope people benefit from this discussion. And it went an hour and a half. That's pretty good. Yeah. This is gonna probably be a two parter. An hour and a half, and we didn't talk about fantasy football at all. Maybe. I've given up on fantasy football. <laughs> I know. My mother told me to keep the Sabbath and I found myself watching fantasy football and arguing with my friends who I love way too much. And I was like, <laughs> why am I upset with Cody and Trevor fan? Why do I allow this to happen? And I was like, I need to stop. I just need to stop with the fantasy football because I really want to like these people. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, brother. I appreciate the time. All right. Thank you for taking, giving this effort, waking up ultra early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. I hope to see you again soon. All right. Bye. Bye.